Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Prayer strengthens us. You ever feel feeble as a Christian? You ever feel weak? You ever feel like you're, you're being defeated instead of having victory? Well, one of the ways to rise above that is to be strengthened through prayer. Prayer strengthens us. Let's not forget that. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, in a message titled, Knowing the Love of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So let's open our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 14 through 21. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, the final seven verses of the third chapter. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So the verses that we just read together are going to be our text. And this brings us to, as you can see, the end of the third chapter, but it brings us to the end of the first section of this letter to the Ephesians. You might remember in the early stages, we talked about how the letters divided into two parts. There's the first three chapters that are really just telling us about the great things that God has done for us. And then the remaining three chapters are the personal application part of the letter where we're told how to respond to what God has done, to his great love for us. So this brings us really to the conclusion of the first half of the epistle. And so we're picking up here, looking at this prayer of Paul. This is the second prayer of Paul found in this epistle. In the letter to the Philippians, we have another one of these Pauline prayers. In the letter to the Colossians, we have another one of these prayers. And these prayers, as I pointed out in the past, the thing to me that's so important to remember is that these these are prayers that were inspired by the Spirit of God. So 
When I think about that, I think, you know, this is the stuff to pray for. If you want to know how to pray for somebody, if you want to know how to pray for yourself, if you want to know how to pray for me, take any one of those letters or any one of those prayers in those letters that I just mentioned and pray those prayers. They're, they're obviously powerful because they're the very things that, that the Spirit himself is longing to see accomplished in our lives. So as we look at this prayer today, just keep that in mind. This is the Lord's desire. This is his will. This is what he wants us to experience. Now, here in the context, uh, Paul has been explaining two things. He's been explaining the fact that Christ has done this, this work of making peace between groups that were formerly alienated from one another, specifically the Jew and the Gentile. And remember, we've talked about how Paul is emphasizing the fact that Jesus has brought this whole new thing into existence, the church, the mystery that was hidden from previous generations is now, it's, it's been revealed through the ministry of Paul and the apostles at the time, but it's this, this new thing that God is doing where he's bringing people together and creating a whole new family, really, his family. And so Paul is explaining that. He's talking about his, his personal involvement because of the special revelation and commission that he had received. But now he turns from exposition, teaching them about this, to intercession. Intercession is prayer. So he turns and he prays that God's wonderful plan that he's been elaborating on may be even more completely fulfilled in the experience of his readers. And so verse 14 says, for this reason, or because of this, because of what? Because you are part of this great new thing that God is doing, this new humanity, this new family, this new society, because you're part of this, Paul says, that's, that's why I'm praying for you. That's why I'm bowing my knees before the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying for you so that you would know by experience the depth of Christ's love. That's really the essence of the prayer. He wants us to know the depth of the love of Christ, that we would experience to the full potential Christ's love for us. Notice here that he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. Some versions read every family instead of the whole family. And I think that's a mistake on the part of the translators. Uh, even though it could read every family, the context lends itself better to understanding the whole family because that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the fact that we are all one universal family. We, we've been talking about this. We've been emphasizing this because that's what the text is teaching us. And so Paul is emphasizing here once again, as he's been doing, that all believers belong to one family with God as our father. And as we look at the prayer, we're going to see how 
It's a prayer that is for us collectively. It's not just a, a prayer for us individually, even though it has the individual element to it, but it's a prayer for us together, collectively, that, that we would be experiencing these things, but he's going to be reminding us that we can't experience them independent from one another. This great love of Christ is going to be ultimately experienced in community with God's people. So that's where he's headed with this. Now, there are four things that Paul asks for specifically in the prayer that he prays here. The first is that we would be strengthened with might through his spirit in our inner man. So that's the first thing he's asking for. Secondly, he's praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. Thirdly, he's praying that we would be able to comprehend the width and length and depth and height and, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And then fourthly and finally, he's praying that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And so let's look at each one of those in order. Number one, praying that we would be strengthened according to the riches of his glory with might through his spirit in the inner man. The thing that I want to remind you of is that prayer strengthens us. You ever feel feeble as a Christian? You ever feel weak? You ever feel like you're, you're being defeated instead of having victory? Well, one of the ways to rise above that is to be strengthened through prayer. Prayer strengthens us. Let's not forget that. When we pray for ourselves even, we, we get strength. When we say to the Lord, Lord, I need your strength. I need your help. We, God gives us that strength. But you know, there's a funny thing that happens. A lot of times we just don't pray for ourselves. We go around being defeated. We go along being beaten down. We feel weak, but we don't stop to think, I need to pray. I don't, I don't know why we do that. James reminds us of the fact that there are things that we don't have blessings that God wants to give us simply because we've never stopped to ask for it. He put it this way, you do not have because you do not ask. So know this, God will give you strength. Ask for him to give you strength and he will do that. Paul's reminding us of that here. So strengthened through his spirit, it's the spirit that comes and bolsters us up and he does this for us in our spirits. He does it in our, in our inner person. We are body, soul, and spirit. We know what it's like to be weak physically. And we know what it's like to be strengthened, having been weak. And then maybe emotionally, there are times when we can think of having been weak emotionally, and then something happens that will come along and strengthen us there. Well, in times of spiritual weakness, we can have confidence that as we pray for one another, God strengthens us. I can think of many times when I have felt strengthened and only to find out later that people were praying for me at a specific time. I can think of many times where people have told me that they have felt very strengthened in their spiritual life 
And that was a direct result of, of people praying for them. So let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of this wonderful gift of prayer that God has given to us. Now, as we look at the, the whole prayer here, Paul is praying specifically for strength in the inner man. But it seems that the thing that he's praying for strength for is the ability to love each other. That's really the essence of everything that he's talking about here in this prayer. It's knowing the love of Christ and then having that love of Christ minister to us and then flow out from us to other people. You know, I find that I need God's help in loving other people. It's easy to love people in theory, isn't it? It's easy to love like groups of people. You know, you say, oh, I, I love those people over there. And then you encounter the individual person and you're thinking, oh, this is not as easy as I thought it was. This is challenging. And we run out of love so quickly, don't we? What do we do when we run out of love? Well, God knows that we're going to run out of love. That's why he tells us to come to him, to be filled up afresh with his spirit. And it's through his spirit. Remember, the fruit of the spirit is love. So as he fills me with his spirit, he also fills me with the ability to love. He gives me strength to love my brothers and sisters, my fellow Christians. So we'll come back to that in a moment. But then the second thing that he prays here is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does Paul mean by this? Because the fact of the matter is, everyone who is truly a Christian has Christ residing in them. That's what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ. So everyone who's a true believer has the Spirit of Christ residing in them. But it's the word dwell that Paul uses that gives us a little better understanding of what he's actually praying for. Because the word dwell here means to settle down or to make your home in that place, to settle down permanently. And, and so what Paul is requesting here is that Christ would be at home in our hearts, that he would settle down permanently in the sense that we would give him the run of the house, that we are opening not just the door, but the doors of our heart to him. We're not just, in, figuratively, we're not just letting him in the front door and then saying, okay, Lord, great that you're in here. Just stay in the living room and everything will be fine. But we're saying, no, Lord, come, come in and take over the whole house. Do whatever you want to do. Go into every room that there is. Stuff you want to throw out, Lord, throw it out. Stuff that you want to rearrange, go ahead and rearrange it. Things that you want to bring in that are lacking, bring those things in. What Paul is really talking about here is us coming to that place where Christ is ruling our lives from the throne of our hearts, where Christ is just seated there on the, the throne of your heart. That's the center of your being. He's just in the driver's seat. He's in the place of control. That's what he's saying, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's what he's praying. 
Because, you know, it's when we give the Lord every part of our lives, that's when all of the blessings and all of the good things that God's talking about, that's when they begin to happen. If I'm holding things back, if I've got areas of my life where I'm saying, Lord, no, I don't want you to mess with that. Let's, let's just leave that for later. Here, you just deal with this part, but, but those other things, those are off limits for the time being. If we're doing that, what we're really doing is we're impoverishing ourselves. We're ripping ourselves off. We're preventing ourselves from going into the fuller blessing of experiencing God's love and his work in our lives. That, that's what we're doing. So Paul's praying that that would not be the case, but there would be just a complete yielding of oneself over to Christ, that he would dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he added, and you being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend the depth and, or the width and the length and the depth and the height. So notice, rooted and grounded in love. You see how much love is the, the focal point of the prayer here. Paul likens believers to a well-watered tree and to a well-built house. You think of a well-watered tree. You think of a tree that's roots have gone down deep. And there's no danger that that tree is going to topple over. There's no danger that a, a strong wind is going to come and uproot it because it's rooted deeply. Or you think of a house with a firm foundation. Remember, Jesus uh, gave the illustration of those who built their house on the sand and those who built their house on the, on the solid ground. And the wind and the rain and the storm came. And for the house that was built on the sand, it, it blew away. But for the house that was built on the solid foundation, so Paul's prayer is that we would have those roots that go down deep, that that foundation would be solid, that we would be rooted and grounded, notice, in love. Rooted and grounded in Christ's love for us and rooted and grounded in love as the, the foundation for our lives and, and everything that we do together collectively. You know, it's when I am established in God's love that I'm going to thrive. It's when I'm established in God's love that I'm going to be most fruitful. It's when I'm established in God's love that I'm going to be most stable, like that, that building with a firm foundation. And so that's the request, that they would be rooted and grounded in love, in the love of Christ. And, and listen, if we are personally, and then together collectively, if we are rooted and grounded in love, What's the atmosphere of our church going to be? It's going to be an atmosphere of love. Oh, love is the great need in the world today. It always has been. You know, it's interesting when you look at the New Testament and, and you just, you know, kind of boil things down to, to the essence. When you look at the church, when you look at what God is, is aiming for through his church what he's really aiming for is a community where true love is the atmosphere. 
because this is so radically distinct and always has been radically distinct from what goes on out in the world. The world is a place, as we pointed out before, it's a place full of division, and the divisions are based on selfishness. The divisions are are based on animosity toward other people, hatred in some cases. You think of all the conflicts happening today, the Middle East things that are going on, the things that are going on over in uh, parts of Europe, Russia, the Ukraine, all of, you know, we look at it and it's it's these, these conflicts, missiles and ground troops and these kinds of things. Yeah, it's that. But, but what's behind that? What's behind that are the hearts of men that hate others, that have hostility and animosity toward others. That's the world, whether it's showing itself through the launching of missiles or it's showing itself through people cursing at one another and shaking their fist at one another. That's the world. The church is to be the opposite of that. God's desire for the church is that it would be a place where you would come and you would just breathe the atmosphere of love. You would sense that there's love, that there's acceptance, that there's true concern and care for people. That's that's the environment that God intends for his church. And so that's what he's praying for as I said here. That's the deep desire of the Spirit for us, the people of God, and being rooted and grounded in love that we may be able to comprehend what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. The the width and length and depth and height of the love of God, that we would know that. Somebody put it like this. God's love is wide enough to encompass all mankind. God loves all people. He loves all people groups. There's no one preferred people group in the sense of ethnicity or culture or anything like that. God loves all the people of the world. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Little children grow up to be adults. God loves them too. God loves everyone. His love is wide enough to encompass all mankind. It's long enough to last for eternity. It's deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner. Do we know that? Do we remember that? Do we realize that? God's love is so deep. Paul's praying that we would know, that we would comprehend the depth of the love of Christ. How deep is his love? Jesus died on that cross for every single person who ever lived or will live and for every sin they ever committed. There's not a single person that has ever lived that God did not love with a deep, deep, deep love. There's nobody on the planet today, regardless of who they are, Regardless of the the depth of their depravity and wickedness, there's no one that God doesn't love. And, And because of his love, Christ died for them. And because of his love, he's desiring to reach them and save them. That's how deep the love of Christ is. There's there's no one. It's too far gone. I was reading last night, I think it was uh, maybe it was a Twitter by Joel Rosenberg or took me to his blog or something. Uh, But Joel, some of you know who Joel Rosenberg is. He's written much on on Israel. He's a Jewish believer. He's very passionate about 
Israel and the things that are happening there right now. He's keeping close tabs on what's going on in this struggle between the Israelis and Hamas. For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.